Damaged Goods Podcast. Indeed. Yeah, man. Actually, you know um, this spot, Little Dom's in Los Feliz? Yeah. Yeah, they got some decent sandwiches there. I'll go for that. Yeah, man. Every time, bro, like, I went to Little Dom's and there was fucking glass in my soup. What? Yeah, bro. And then, like, I, it took 10 minutes for the manager to come over and then they were like, <laughs> we'll give you some free soup. And I'm like, I ain't come here for fucking free soup. I'm letting you know that there was glass and, like, it's not even about a free meal. I can buy my own bowl of fucking soup. And, like, that, so what? You're going to, you taking. You taking off the bowl of soup with glass in it? Thanks. That's real yeah. fucking big of you. So I stopped fucking with him. Yeah, now you got me kind of weary about that. Fuck, man. There's not a lot of Italian spots out here that I would probably even go to, but you just knock one off my list. There's one called Angelini's that's supposed to be good. I ain't been there yet. It's oh, on, uh, uh-huh. oh my God, this girl's ass. Um, there's one that, <laughs> one called Angelini's that is on mm. Beverly. I want to say it's on Beverly that's supposed to be good, bro. Yeah, I fuck with like, and, John and Vinny's is all right. On Fairfax, and then I don't know. I don't. It's just like you know, depending on what coast you're on, there's certain cuisines that just aren't going to be as good as if you were elsewhere. You know. Yeah, you're in Boston, so you you yeah. got all the well. You know, that's where the Italians. They that's the yeah. first place they stop was on the East Coast. Oh yeah, fuck shit, man. I one of the last times I got called a racial epitaph. Uh, it was a couple. We were fighting in the streets, and uh, some white another Irish kid called me Italian, which I'm not, and. Uh, I got very angry, not because I have anything against Italians. It was just, it was weird in the, you know, in the heat of the moment type shit. It's funny. I get, I get mad when people think I'm Jewish. It's the same yeah. fucking deal. Oh, it's not. It's it? like the Roman nose. Yeah, they were like, ah, oh, there are. It's like when you're Italian, you want to be called Italian. When you're Irish, you want to be fucking Irish. Like, yeah, you just don't want to get get be confused with shit. Yeah, and <laughs> so you're Irish. Half, half Irish, half Polish. My grandparents are like off the boat Polish. That's why I got that crazy ass last name. Well, that's the, you know, that's the fucking, and that's what you get too. It's the Catholic immigrants fucking each other. So, (laughs) yeah, you'll get Italian Poles, Italian Irish, Irish, uh, Irish Polish, because they're all Catholic. Yeah, man. Whole bunch of guilt buried up in there. That uh, the voice uh, you're hearing besides mine here on Damaged Goods. Is a uh, author and radio host Jude Angelini, Rude Jude. Oh. It's good to be here. Yeah, man, we got you up here. Um, this this gentleman wrote an incredible book, Hyena. He hosts the All Out Show on Shade Forty Five, but he's got this new book out, Hummingbird, which is uh why we're up here talking about it and shit, man. And uh, yo, the book's fucking great. I'm holding it in my hand right now, waiting on the vinyl, man. I can't wait for the vinyl. Yeah, the vinyl should be there soon. It's fucking we sold it we got your money and uh yeah it should should be there soon enough i thought um i was i wanted to i was wondering like because anyone that knows you knows you you listen to records and vinyl and uh i hate using the phrase branding or you know your brand or whatever but that's kind of a word you got to use sometimes but whose idea was it to do the the audio on a piece of vinyl it was theirs. Oh, really? Uh, it was Rare Birds, yeah. Really? I was it, honestly thought that you was going to say it was yours. No, it's it seemed like a fucking... It's not that I'm against that at all, either. It's just it seemed like a fucking headache, mm-hmm. which I'm not wrong, because here we are six months since you guys... Since the thing, is, since the thing came out, and uh, the vinyl still isn't there. The problem with vinyl is it's just become so popular right now that all these pressing plants and stuff... Yeah, super super backed up. 
uh, it took us a while to knock out the Audible deal. And Audible was super cool about allowing allowing us to use the audio for the vinyl, but it just took a while to do. And by the time all that shit got done, here you are waiting in December for it. But uh, look, if it's easy, I'd have done it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, I love the idea of a record. I'm excited for it, man. Um, so Hyena only came out with like like two years ago, right? Yeah, um, uh, 2014, like it came out. 2014. All right. So so with with Hummingbird, I was wondering like during the process of writing it, what was the longest kind of gap you had between actually working on it? Like any writer's block, any long period of time where you were just struggling to push shit through for the new book? Oh, no, not at all, man. Um, after Hyena, Hyena came from Hyena came from like a blog I was doing. I was writing this blog and it was just, you know, it was lists. And then I started telling stories and then uh, people were liking it. And then I was like, I was going through a breakup and I mentioned it and people were like, shut up. I don't want to hear about that. And I was like, fuck you. I'll write about what I want to write about. And it made me think, I was like, yo, these cats don't appreciate free shit. So I took everything down. I put it in a book form. And it took me a few years to write Hyena. And it was like more bragging. Well, now I wouldn't say bragging, but like more like crazy sex stories, yeah. wild drug stories, kind of growing up, um, doing the wild shit we did growing up. And those were very, they just came to me. You know, like they're, they're, some of the favorite stories were stories that like I'd been telling for the last 20 years and that I were, that like when I accidentally ate the fucking miscarriage. Oh, like yeah. that's, that story is as old as time. It's 22 years <laughs> old to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm. once I got done writing that book and selling that book, selling's hard than a motherfucker, bro. Selling's really hard. And uh, I was like, I don't want to ever write another book. I'm done. And then I had this crazy week where it was like, I I had got back on, I was, I was, the, Hyena had been out. I, I jumped on this fucking crazy ketamine bender. Like friends of mine started like kind of ODing on drugs that they got through me. And I was having really weird sexual fucking shit. And I was like, I need to be writing. And I basically just started. I wrote as it happened. That book was written as it happened. Um, so there was really no writer's block whatsoever because I was doing crazy shit damn near every day. And then the days that I wasn't doing crazy shit, was, I started thinking about, like, uh, I, I would just think about growing up, and I would, write, I would write stories about growing up back in Michigan. A lot of, a lot of that book is, uh, is kind of a response to what we're seeing in the media today. It's not, I don't say it, but it's like, it's, I wanted the point of view of the flyover states, of the Rust Belt. Um, this whole idea of of white privilege that's being like fucking perpetuated by rich white people and rich minorities, uh, you know, because let's be real, those are the guys that are that get to control media. Those are the guys that went to fucking college. The like the, to to think that my white experience is the same as some guy on NBC's or fucking CNN's experience is fucking ridiculous because we both have the same color skin. <laughs> yeah. And, 
And I just wanted to tell the story of, and I'm, and my experience isn't that different than the next kid, the, the kid grew up next to me, you know, in government housing without a fucking father around with a mom on drugs and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, so I just wanted, I felt like, I felt like we were underrepresented. And so I told stories about that. I told stories that had to do with bullying which I think is bullshit. I think it's like you need to boss up and don't get punked on. Um, and I wrote stories about where I bullied, got bullied, went out like a bitch, felt like a bitch, stuck up for myself. You, Because uh, that is the human experience. So I didn't have any... There was no real writer's block off of that. Um, there, there, was, there was no real writer's block. I always had something come to me. I didn't know... I, I didn't always know what way I was going to go with the book, though. Uh, and that came to me on Ketamine. <laughs> Dude, some of the best ideas come in moments like that, man. Shit. I fucking, I confessed to my girlfriend that I had left her and cheated on her and had an affair after drinking ayahuasca. She had no clue. And I just came with that idea of just divulging that information. So Was that a good idea? Uh, did, how did that work run, out? Yes, but for two years, I, I was miserable. So, yeah. It, are you guys together or what? Now we are after like two and a half years. I I worked real hard to get that back, but uh. Good for you, bro. Yeah, man. I well, I was a bad. I was a different man, you know. But that's neither here nor there. I'm but, not. Uh, I I didn't. I I don't cheat. Um, I just break up. You know, like I'm the. I like. Chelsea, uh, you for that? I can't do that that good. No, dude, man. Like all that did, like that. You know, that first book was about getting through a breakup, and she, you know. We broke up and got back together so many times that there was just so much scar tissue that I, I, sometimes you you think like, damn man, would I have been better off just running off, tricking, fucking some weird broad, and then um, and then uh, fucking having it be, like, you know, just going, like having it not affect the relationship. Nah. Like I don't know. You you actually. You made me think of something in, in uh, the chapter in Hummingbird when you're talking about going to see your grandmother when she's on a deathbed. Um, she said, or some, because she apologized to you when you said sometimes people apologize. We apologize for ourselves and not for the other person. And it's yes. Like, when I did that shit telling my ex that, like, hey, I did all this, it wasn't for her. Like, she actually was probably better off never knowing that. But the <laughs> guilt was killing me after this ayahuasca experience. Like, I would have jumped out a window if I didn't. So, you know, like, sometimes we do that shit more for us than the other person. And it's like, Fuck, maybe I should have shut my mouth. I mean, in a lot of ways, you were double selfish. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, one, you cheated. <laughs> and then, two, you're like, this is too much for me to handle. Let me dump this on your fucking lap. Oh, uh, dude, I was the worst for it. I was the, it took me a long time to fucking forgive myself, but I'm still not there. Well, that's, man, like, yo, self-forgiveness is really important, man. Like, it's self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, you know, uh, it... It, at least at least you're fucking facing it you know yeah uh, that's the scariest part i like challenges like that even though it freaks me the fuck out i kind of like yeah. i'm scared you know uh i don't know what just it works for me and shit man and uh, i mean you know anyone who hasn't read either of your books um you know it's it's you you talk about all these people in your life right good experiences bad experiences Re you reveal a lot of you know, serious shit. Um, and I know you, you don't strike me as a dude in your writing that holds any regrets. You really stick to your art and just say what you think needs to be said. But, you know, when you read it, it's, it's some heavy shit. And I was, I was high the other night reading one of the chapters, and I was just wondering, 
in, in either in Hummingbird or in Hyena, was there any particular person, and you ain't got to name them, or any part of a story about somebody that you ever thought, man, maybe I should have left that out, maybe did I hurt them a little too much revealing this, or do you feel like 100% like, nah, fuck it, these stories need to be told? Uh, there's neither one of my exes speak to me. Um, cause of the first book. Cause of the first book. And that hurts, you know, uh, mm. you know, I think the one, the, 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 uh, the initial, the first book was written about a, a breakup with a woman named Julie and, you know, she just doesn't speak to me cause I don't know. She just doesn't speak to me. Uh, my other girl, my other ex, I've only had two. I put her name in the book and I told her it was going to happen. And then she got mad and fucking, she doesn't speak to me either. Uh, Shit. I don't feel bad about that. I told them what was going to happen. And I wrote that in the book. It's like, you tell people what you're going to do and then they don't believe you until you do it. And then not, then it's a fucking problem. Uh, my father and I had have had some rough spots because I, you know, and I'm not going to say it here on the air, but yeah. like if you if you do if you do get the book, it's you know it's some shit that's really damning of my father. Uh, but I didn't write it just for the sake yeah. of writing it. I didn't write it for shock value. I wrote it because it affected me. I wrote it. I wrote the fucked up shit that was going on in my family to show people that that fucked up was my normal as is for many people. Sometimes what people view as fucked up is our normal and we don't know anything else. We don't have anything else to compare it to. And my dad was upset with me about it. And, uh, we just hashed it out last week, man. We finally like, I'm like, look, bro, like, there was a ton of more fucked up shit I could have wrote about you, but that didn't affect me. You know what I mean? That was between you and other family members. I'm not here to I'm not here to bury you. I'm here to fucking to to show people what shaped me. I mean, that's like I, I agree with that because you know people love to criticize when people put certain personal shit out of that level that it's for shock value, just to get attention to make sales. But if you had to go through it, it's almost a way of processing it for yourself. If anything, if, if someone else inflicted that upon you, at least you, you deserve it to at least be able to talk about it, you know? So um, I had a, yeah. And it's not even like, you know, like I don't even want to come off like the victim, like inflicted it on me. Like it's just, like it happened, whatever. Yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah. that's how I was. That's how I was. Shaped, that was life. You know? That was just life. Egg fucking exactly. And I think most of us can relate to that. It's, uh, you know, we, uh, Hyena got picked up by, uh, Wahlberg, you know, another Bostonian. Mm -hmm. And, um, my aunt dated him back in the day. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. So fucking Mark Wahlberg picked it up and in the, in, in the, uh, the pilot episode features me and my dad we have this conversation when i'm like 15 and he's telling me about the birds and the bees and basically his version of the birds and the bees has to do with like it ends with him eating my mom's ass like he's talking about how he used to eat my mom's asshole and it's kind of fucking you know they're broken up now and we're like driving to her house in this busted up chevette and he's talking about eating my mom's ass and uh i remember you know I got pushed back from HBO like, damn, like, why are you putting that in there? Like, I'm trying to be shocking. And I'm like, yo, this isn't a girl's episode where I'm like writing like this shit 
to fucking for water cooler talk the next day. Like I'm writing to show you that is my normal. That is my relationship with my father. That is how I learned how to fucking deal with women. You know, like th- th- it's deeper than just about eating a fucking asshole, man. It's 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 deeper than the shock value shit. But a lot of people get hung up on fucking on like these words. Yeah, semantics gather attention, man. People are always triggered by certain things and visual images yeah. they conjure up. Um, Instead of really looking at the context and yeah. looking below, and, yeah. and that is that's frustrating for me. You, you, I'm surprised how many people who are fucking educated are fucking ignorant and yeah. and dumb. I wouldn't yeah. even call it ignorant. They're educated and fucking not that bright. Yeah, man. Well, book smarts and and just common sense and street smarts are all. And separated like you know people are not gonna have them all and it's, it's tough when it comes to art people totally miss the point of art sometimes you know they get offended they want to censor they want to make borders for what art can be but that's not art you know no totally and and that's the thing like look man when you what like when you do your podcast and you put that shit out there like it's not yours anymore you know it's people are going to take yep. this conversation and they're going to take what they what they get Whatever they need from this conversation, that's what they're going to get from it. Uh, and that's part of creating art. You put it out there, some people get it, some people don't. You know, I talk about the reason, like all these reasons why I wrote the book. And like most of the people I talk to, th- those reasons have totally escaped them. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they miss all these points that I'm fucking dropping in because I don't hit them over the head with it. I just show them by example and they totally miss all these fucking points. So what are you going to do? I mean, I mean, yeah, it's like you can't, like you said, once it's out of your hands, it's just the people are going to do what they, they will with it. And then uh-huh. you just got to not stress about it and shit. Um, there was like uh, one of your chapters was uh, Tainted. It's the one where you, uh, and I don't want to give away too much of the book, but you do something that I've done that a lot of guys have probably done is uh, you, you, you jerk off to an ex. And uh, it's, I mean, I've, I do it. It's, I've done it. It's the worst. You know, you would never feel good afterwards. Um, yeah. But when you wrote it, did it kind of like help you maybe not want to jerk off to her no more? I was so embarrassed by doing that that uh, I was just embarrassed, man. I was embarrassed that I did it. I felt very stupid. I felt foolish. I felt weak. Oh. Man, it, it, and, and, and it hurts you even worse. It like it really it hurts you worse. Like and the thing is, is like, you know, uh, I got you know, she was the last person that was my girlfriend. So, and like, she's clearly moved on. She's moved on. She's happy. She's with someone else. And here I am, like fucking. I was. I think I was ecstasy hungover after fucking some awful webcam girl, and. <laughs> Uh, you know, like I think fucking Scarface was on in the other room, and I decided I'm gonna fucking take my power back and jerk off to her, and it's not gonna hurt. And it did. It fucking punched me in my. And then I end up fucking some other chick, and like it's, you know, you can hit the back of the pussy, but like it's not gonna, it's 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 not gonna. It's not gonna bring happiness to you, man. Like Yeah, dude. Once it, the semen's out the dick, dude, those fucking feelings of guilt and shame and shit just shower you. It's fucking awful. And here's the other thing too, it's like who's like 
what are you what what do you miss? Do you miss her? Are you lonely? Are you codependent? What the fuck is it that you really is it do like realistically clearly she and I were fucking toxic in a lot of ways. We weren't able to make things work. So like is that person that you miss so bad even good for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's akin to drugs and shit. Like, it becomes such a part of you. You want it, you miss it, but it don't mean it's good for you, you know? Totally. No, no, you're, you're fucking spot on. And, like, yeah, I don't, I, I want to say that was the last time. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> if it wasn't the last time, it was, like, the second to last time I did that shit. Um, yeah, it was, like, you know. And that was the thing. I was very, I was, I was always very attracted to her. You know, that was one of those deals. I just was attracted to her. And she, the crazy shit, bro. She got better looking. Like oh, she's, like she's become this beautiful. It's crazy. Yeah. She's like this beautiful woman, man. She's, yeah. I knew her in her twenties, and now she's in her thirties, and she's just, just a beautiful woman, man. I can't say nothing bad about her. Well, at least, at least you can't do that, you know, say nothing bad. I mean, it's tough, like, I think maybe what goes through a dude's head when he does that is, well, I'm just going to sexualize her. I don't even like her. I'm just going to imagine jerking off to her. Like, I've done that when I can't think of anything else. And, I, you know, you find a couple old pictures, and you're like, nah, fuck this bitch. She ain't shit. But then right after it, you're all fucking sad. And, yeah. Because uh, yeah, the there you are, yeah. alone with the fucking cum on your thumb, thinking about fucking, you know. It's disgusting. day dark in your fucking house. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, dude, you know what's crazy, man? You you seem to like jerk off in what seems like a lot of like nice garments, like good clothes that you actually wear, like shirts and, and pajama bottoms. You don't like I just use free T-shirts. I know I'm never going to wear and shit like that. You don't mind fucking up your clothes? Oh, I will. No, no, no. I, 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 I wear very cheap underwear. I wear fruit loom tidy whities and I wipe up with that. And then when they get too disgusting, like stained, I just throw them out. Yo, are the tidy whities they don't feel constrictive? I look, man. Uh, I talk about it in in my um, in hyena going over the tidy whities. I was like always like a boxer dude, you know, like that was yeah. like that hip hop shit from the nineties. Yeah. So uh, I was like, you know, you sag your pants with some boxers. Um, but when when I got hemorrhoid, fuck it, I had to get oh, like yeah. my ass cut because of hemorrhoids, and then I had to fucking walk around with a goddamn maxi pad in my ass for a fucking month and a half. Like you just can't do that. Like literally, I was like, oh, I'll wear my boxers. I went to go see my homeboy. I'm crossing the street. There's some little kids playing. He's kind of in the barrio or some shit. Uh, in the fucking a, a bloody goddamn maxi pad falls out my ass. <laughs> next to these kids and i'm oh, trying to like shit. kick it across the street oh. it's stuck to the ground because of the sticky shit it's fucking it was embarrassing so i was like all right man mm. tidy whities it is and then after a month of that you just get used to it it's better for stashing drugs though you know it stays right up in there yeah they got That's the true. pocket you yeah. know they got that dick pocket you can just throw it in there and you're good That's to go there i won't let a chick eat my ass because of that like i feel yeah, fucked oh, that up sucks. you have to miss out on that I'm like, I'm a monster. Don't touch me. Uh, <laughs> fucking sucks, dude. It adds it adds to the allure, the mystique more, man. I um, guess. Yo, well, let me ask you this question. This is maybe more personal for me than more of my listeners anything. What's the difference between 2CB and 2CE? 
I think two C E is uh they're both what are they what, what what's I'm the name two C B a bunch but I don't think that's the same thing as the one you prefer. Two C E fucks you up worse. Yeah, is one the, of them's like pure MDMA or some shit, right? It's more of the body buzz. This one is like the body buzz with hallucinations, oh. and and you can see sound and shit. Yeah. Uh, like I, I've, I've been on that shit and like, like you put on music, you just zone out to it. Like I, I was, you, you, it's almost like a weird TV show in your head. Like you shut your eyes and just go places. Like I've been a metal bug. I've been a Mexican lesbian. I've been mm. a fucking ice cream cone. Mm. I, it's just, I, uh, I was a fucking, a black lawyer in the South <laughs> and a speakeasy. That's the best one. Like, it was crazy, dude. Like, That's yeah, the it was best crazy. One. Fuck, I that was, be that. That was the Coltrane. It was crazy. It was like the sun was setting. I was in a speakeasy banging out this chick, and it was happening while I was fucking too. So it was oh, like so awesome. Yeah. The and then when the That's then the music changes and the music changes and then your vision changes. It's fucking nuts. It's a fun one, man. The ones I had the the two CB ones. It was like these red pills. One looked like a happy clown face, and one was the sad clown face. And me and my boy were gonna fuck with him, and I told him we have to we have to split him in half with a pill guillotine because I don't want to take the whole sad face clown and you get the whole happy face clown, so we gotta have to share these. Um, but it was it was great. We were running around Portland, flying around, walking by all these little vegan strip bars and shit like that. It's good times. It sounds kind of fun, bro. Like uh, I wish I didn't have to go back to work all the time and like do radio shows, or else I'd right. probably do crazy. I not I don't wish that. Like I'm yeah. happy to have my job, but. It really is. It was really made me like kind of chill out on my drug intake. You can't be totally hung over the next day. Yeah, you got. I mean, it, it keeps you semi-focused, right? And then it probably makes yeah. the times when you do get to wild out more fun because you look forward to it. Like, look, about to do this shit, about to get all crazy. The other thing for me is I kind of got like a. Uh, I, I'm. I don't know how to do drugs and not fuck. So. <laughs> That really stops me from doing drugs. Like, if I can't fuck with it, like, I'm like, I'm good. Is that why you don't do, like, you don't drink or do coke or anything? I don't drink because it causes depression. And I don't, for, and me, it does. And then I don't do coke because I just know my personality and I don't want to be a cokehead. Yeah, devising business plans at four in the morning with people you don't know and shit. Oh my God, dude. That was the first time. You know, like, I'm sure I'd been around coke, but like, cats didn't party too crazy. And, when I was coming up, like, uh, where I was at, it was like mostly, you know, bear, like alcohol and blunts and shit. Yeah. And, you know, a couple kids would do fucking acid and mushrooms. And some of the kids were junkies, but not a, the Coke was always done in, in the bathroom. You know, it was never oh, around whoa. me. Yeah. That's why it's fun though. Cause you're like hiding it from somebody. You're being like a secret agent. You gotta be doing it on the low. I like that aspect about it. I mean, I don't blame you. This, it is, it is kind of, uh, well, when I came out to L.A., it wasn't like that. People were fucking flagrant. And the yeah, first time I, I was around are. it, oh, they don't give a fuck. No, they don't. It was like I got out here and it was like right after 9-11 and I was at some after party at the stripper's house and they broke out the plate. And hearing strippers talk about 9-11, maybe no. never on coke, <laughs> I was like, I'm never doing this drug ever. Oh, shit. That's fucking, I, uh, dude, I do like security at a strip club out here and just hearing them talk about anything really was enough. So imagine them all yacked up talking about 9-11 conspiracies would make my mind blow around. Oh my God, dude. You're like, all right, man, I never want to sound this annoying and dumb at the same time. I'm good. Fuck that. When did you, 
uh, realize that drinking made you depressed? Because I know you drank when you was younger and shit. What, when was it like, yo, this shit is not my thing? I think it was like nine nine years ago. I'd, I'd go I'd, I'd go on like little year too long benders of alcohol. I I was pretty. Here's a crazy thing. Like th- these hyena and hummingbird are super drug heavy. But mm-hmm. in my twenties, in my twenties when I was trying to get on, I didn't do a ton of drugs. I just would drink Red Bull and fuck. Like I was just I was Red just, Bull, no liquor, nothing, bro. Like mm-hmm. I was I was so concerned about being successful that I didn't want anything to get in my way. And I didn't really start using drugs until I got the job at Sirius. Like, really? Yeah, man. I was like, I was pretty fucking, I was relatively straight laced, man. Like, I, like it was around me. It wasn't like I was a fucking square. I was around that shit all the time, but I was so afraid of being a loser, man. That I didn't want nothing to get in my fucking way, cause they thought I was a loser. You know, I left I left Michigan with people thinking I was gonna be a loser. In high school, I was thought we were like the white trash kids. We were the fucking I was the white trash wigger. I was the poor kid. I was yeah. the fucking. I went to a good high school, so they thought poorly of me. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to prove them wrong. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I didn't do nothing, bro. Mm. None it's, of that shit. It's like um, the chapter in Hummingbird. Uh come clean about when you went back home you know, for the reunion or something and you yeah know, it's like you, you you're feeling good you're feeling successful and and then you actually talk about seeing this girl that you knew that you dogged uh clowned when you were younger and then kind of yeah. cool with and you see her and dude that chapter was um i think anybody who's moved away from their home to a bigger city maybe moved on to better things like it's depressing when you go home dude it's fucking you see people all fucked up that you hoped weren't gonna be like that and it's fucking makes you just not want to go back home no more you know it's tough yeah even like you avoid friends that you Mm. are super tight with because it's like it's uh you know i've you've run out of fucking things that you have in common with them uh there's still love there but like it's almost like uh the thinking is there's uh you know there's some of some of my homies have like a weird victim mentality yeah, and it's just like shit. The world owes him some shit. Yeah, and it's just like, man, just fucking go get it. Even yeah. if someone does owe you shit, you not get, you're not getting it. So yeah. fucking, you gotta go. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I think especially in smaller towns or smaller cities, that mentality persists. And if you do move to a spot like New York or L.A., you realize nobody gives a fuck if you had it rough or tough. Like nobody cares, even if they had it rough or they had it privileged nobody gives a fuck and whatever you want you're gonna really have to work for it no one's gonna you know give you sympathy and ever give you a little oh no no not at all if anything it's like if it's anything it's it works against you even more it's yeah people what people don't understand is like jobs and work and all of that stuff it's all based on relationships and it's usually the relationships of the people already in power you know so um i got friends that go to yale that went to Yale and they're not smarter than me and I love them to death. So I'm not shitting on them, but it's like, yo, they pass jobs. They pass jobs back and forth to each yeah, other. It's legacy shit. That's how they, it's like uh, European families inbreeding back in the day. Yeah. Royalty. Straight up, dude. Like, this is like, this is, you know, like that's, it's all about relationships. So like, if you, if you're coming in without these relationships, you got to hustle extra hard. Like, and, and you can't be like, oh, I had a really, my dad didn't hug me enough when I was young. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. 
That's true. They don't man. care about that. They they're looking out for one another. It's 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 a it's, it's a cold wake up call when you when you realize that for certain cats, you know, they was hoping Bro, they get accepted. Yeah, man, like that's that's what this it's look, man, hustle will get you places. Hard work will get you places, but it's not the only ingredient. It's like you gotta you gotta be creative in, in the way you get after things. You have to be good with other people. You there's all this other shit that is involved. Like every job I've ever gotten is based on a relationship. Yeah. The job sure. the job the job I got at fucking Jenny or uh with uh M and M. Yeah, serious. Because my homeboy got me Paul Rosenberg's fucking, my homeboy Mikey got me Paul Rosenberg's email address, and I pitched the fucking show, and M used to watch me on fucking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there, it, it wasn't direct nepotism, but it, 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 my homeboy knew some, you know, I knew somebody that knew somebody to get to get my idea there. Shit, I mean that's that's like when you get an opportunity like that, you just gotta take advantage of it and. Uh... And sees it, and you were mentioning, you know, like it's more than hard work. It's being creative. It's relationships, but I, I come to find it's also all of that shit plus timing. Like you can have all of the relationships and the the talent, the creativity, but it could be the wrong time for what you're trying to do. And I mean, like you know, you've been doing. I mean, you've been a radio host for what, like 15 years, 14 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, bro. And so or 13. Yeah. Do you whatever. ever wonder, like, if if Jude came out a year ago, would it be different? You know, because, I mean, the climate of things is a lot different than it used to be, especially the last couple of years, you know? Yeah, bro. Like, uh, to it's yes and no. It's like one of those deals where it's like, well, the HBO deal that got passed on, it took forever to get the fucking, it took forever to get the, uh, the contracts right. It took forever for them to get the fucking pilot fucking okay. Like that process took a year and a half. And in that year and a half, the fucking the whole landscape of what they were looking for in television changed. You know, like if you look at the new things that they're bringing on, they're not looking for heterosexual Caucasian male. Yeah, like it's it totally. And 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 it sucks that I've been reduced to that. There is that deductive is that it's like, oh, check, check, check. You know what I mean? Like, that's I, fucking diversity is beyond just a uh, skin tone and fucking where do you decide to put your genitals? Um, so, but unfortunately for me, that played a part. And look, man, I can't say that was the only thing. Like, perhaps, like maybe yo, I'm not gonna blame all that shit on on that. But like timing, that did really affect the timing. You know, like. Uh, the land, just what happened. Uh, hey, but like, yo, maybe my pilot wasn't tight enough, though. Like, true. I'm not gonna sit there and blame blame fucking society because I'm not on. Maybe my pilot wasn't tight enough. Maybe I maybe it needed to be funnier. Maybe it shouldn't have been as broad. Maybe it needed to be more specific. Who the fuck knows? Uh, all I do know is, fuck, man. Like, I really wish that. Um, I would really like to be on TV, man. That would have that would have really that would have put me in a different echelon. For sure, but it probably makes you you probably working even harder now, right? You just going still tough with it. Look, man, I I I work there's a I work with a mixture of insecurity and love for creating. Mm. Um, um I'm 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 insecure about my future and 
uh, I think that it's like that for many people that um, grew up not having. They're they're constantly trying to compensate for that, right? Yeah, or they yeah. they're they do not want to be in that situation again. My sister and I are both like that, and we're we react to it differently. My sister's great with money. She can save money like a motherfucker. She probably, I got a fucking, I got a great job and she probably has the exact same amount of money in her bank account that I have. You know what I mean? Like, cause she's so aware of budgeting and not being, uh, and that's her insecurity about being poor. My insecurity about being poor is like, I gotta make more. I gotta make more. I gotta make more. Yeah. I gotta fucking, I gotta buy things that show people that I'm not poor. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's another it's 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 another thing that comes out. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm still gonna grind. I'm not gonna stop. Yeah, and I I'd say, um, you know, your insecurities are like palpable in your writing. Like you can feel them. You can you can you understand them. And I think that's at least for me, that's one of the things that makes your writing uh, so attractive. Because I know I have a grip of my own, and I I put them out there and the other things I do, and and um, it helps me deal with them. But I think people get attracted to that either one or two reasons. One, they're in awe that you know this dude is got this life that they perceive to be wild and crazy or wacky or whatever and he's so insecure and he's saying these things oh my god how could he say those things and then in their head they're thinking god i could never talk about that type of shit openly and then other people see it and they're like fuck that's like empowering or, or, or at least I, I don't feel so alone because i'm dealing with the same type of shit and the same insecurities and it makes you feel a little more comfortable about having those uh, and yeah I, there's strength and vulnerability for sure like uh, so you, but that, not, that being said, I was, you know, it was scary putting that shit out there. Like, oh, I'm man. not going to say I was all the way comfortable with that shit. I was scared as hell putting that shit out there. Even more so with Hummingbird than Hyena. Cause Hummingbird's tone is a bit different. You know, it's, it it's is. still, it's still jokes and shit, but it's dark, bro. It's it just, is. It's, it's got, it's a little more, um, I don't mean dense in a bad way, but it, it, it's a little more to digest. And I, I'm actually, I read it slower than Hyena. Because it was a little more dark, and there's certain undertones that you start to pick up on when you read a little slower. Yeah, exactly. And look, man, and that is what I say. I tell people all the fucking time. I'm like, read the book slow, man, or read it twice. Yeah. Uh, because there is, uh, in the style of writing that I that I'm attracted to, that I do, I don't waste words. So all this skimming and speed reading, you're doing yeah. yourself a disservice. Like I'm not. There's no word wasting here, man. Like. Uh, truly less is more man like I think uh, whether it's you or you whoever helps you edit I think you guys or yourself do a great job of just putting in the most important shit it comes across there's no fucking I don't know um, filler you know if it was I edit you know you know, that, well the thing was is that was editing and that the way I edited it was nobody wants to hear this shit so I would say, I'm like, who the fuck wants to hear this? Okay, so if I'm saying that thing twice, they extra don't want to hear it the second time. So get it the fuck out. Get it out. Get it down. Pare it down. Like, that was, that was how, that was my approach. It was like, pare that shit down. Don't waste people's time. Uh, and I think, you know what, to be all the way real with you, I think doing a radio show really helped me with that. Because it's like, get to the fucking point. Because I, I, Doing a, a pseudo talk show on a rap station, you always feel like you're a visitor in your own home. You feel like half the people are, are on there waiting for you to shut the fuck up so that they can hear a fucking Lil Yachty song or some for shit like that. Time, yeah, 
I mean, you must have to work around like those kind of time parameters that they got and fucking ad. Or there's no ads on Shade 45, but the songs no. always got to play and the, you got to cut your bits short and shit like that. I mean, I've uh, we we've gotten into we'll let it run longer, but trust me, it's in the back of my mind while it's running longer that this is running longer, and I don't I think because because that's my approach for uh, on the air that was also my approach in my writing, and I and there is an economy of words uh, in my writing. You every single word counts. I don't waste a fucking word. And that also came from the fact that, like, look, man, I didn't go to college, uh, and I resented people that wrote in a way that spoke over my head mm. and wrote in a way where they were using these fancy words to prove how fucking smart they were, mm. and they were losing me. And it was like, and especially if it's a very simple concept and they use these fucking fancy words to explain a simple concept, I really resented them. Yeah. One, because it made me feel insecure. And two, because I was like, I'm just watching you fucking jerk off. Yeah, so, man, uh, it's isolating the, to the reader. But the thing is, is like, that's the literary world. That's the, li that's the literary world. And that's why, that's why I'm having such a hard time getting into the dealing with the literati because I don't speak their language. And it doesn't mean like, yo, dude, I'll fuck I look, man, I'm a I'm learning how to write. I'm a beginning writer, but I'll put my fucking books up against anybody in, in my fucking genre, dude. Like, I stand by my shit. Like, that's my voice. That's my shit. So to be dismissed by bookstores is fucking annoying. Cause that's I don't insulting. what? I don't use big cause I don't use enough big words. I don't use flowery fucking language. Like, fuck out of here. That's some, there's like a lot of circle jerking. I mean, there's that saying where like a wise man says a lot with a very few words and a fool says very little with a lot of words. And, uh, it's the truth, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah there's, a, there's a ton. Yeah, it's, uh, there's wit and brevity or some shit like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but, I'm, yeah, so like, I don't know where I was going with it. But like, that's <laughs> where I got my right. That's, that's how I got my writing style. That's in... I'm glad it is dense and it is like the, the, the shits I read it on tape. It's three and a half hours long, but like, man, that is a fucking, for me, it's a three and a half hour long ass whooping. It is like, I'm punching you with fucking words and either you're laughing or you're fucking crying or you're feeling disgusted or you hate me in that moment or you fucking, uh, relate to me in that moment. But that's all good. Cause you're invoking emotion. That's the art right there. That's why it's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's what art is, man. Art is supposed to make you feel a certain way. Yeah. Make you... I, I don't read a ton of nonfiction. I like to read fiction, but like well-written fiction makes you look at yourself and look at, look at society and look at where we live and how we behave with one another. And hopefully my book does the same thing. Um, yeah. Jude, Jude, tell them where they can get this new book, Hummingbird. Well, you can get uh, if you want to hear this voice doing it, you can you can you can get it on Audible or on iTunes. And if you want to actually read it for yourself and really have have it in your hand, uh, which like that's another thing. Like I put the I put the book. To, it's on Amazon. It's at Barnes and Nobles. Go order the shit. Uh, 
the book is small. It's like one of those old school paperbacks. So I wanted you to be able to walk around with that yeah. shit, hold it in your hands, have it be a part of you. I put it like every piece of that book, like I the, the stuff that meant a lot to me, it's in there, man. I picked the I picked the illustrator, I picked the cover artist, I picked I picked the whole fucking thing. Sick so cover, sick cover. That's Sage Vaughn. He's a street artist that went on to fine art, and he's you know he's shown in he's shown in a fucking oh yeah he's a beast museums. He's a fucking great guy. I was supposed to go to his. Supposed to go to Zard opening tonight, and uh, it turns out it was last night. So I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm sitting oh, on the shit. side of Melrose, about to like, I'm sitting on the side of fucking Melrose. Uh, was waiting for his art thing to start, and uh, it turns out it was yesterday. Fuck. I know, whatever. But shout out to Sage Vaughn. You should follow yeah. him at Sage Vaughn. And then Ruby Roth is the illustrator. I wanted a woman to illustrate the book because it is a bit more. To me, it's a bit more vulnerable than Hyena is. Mm. It's fucking. It's a great book, man. I'm glad it's out there, man. Jude Angelini, Rude Jude. Thanks for being on Damaged Goods, man. Thanks for your time, man. Everyone go get that fucking book. Follow Jude on all the social media interwebs and such, and all that good stuff. Straight up, man. Like, look, man. You vote with your fucking dollars. You're mad that motherfuckers aren't writing enough books that speak to you. Well, when those books that speak to you, that are talking to the fucking, that are talking to you, talking to the talking to the degenerates in middle America and the fucking non-college graduates or even the college graduates with a fucking hole in their heart. You got to vote for it with your yeah. fucking dollar. Shit, man, go get that book, man. Go get that fucking hummingbird. Thank you so much, Jude. Appreciate your time. My man. All right.